Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden. All right, now we're recording. Hey, everybody, this is Harvey Sluggo Wasserman. This is the 90th, count them, 90 Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition Zoom calls. Uh, we have uh, upwards of 61 people on the on the call just to get rocking and rolling here. And this is our inaugural meeting. Uh, we are changing our name and adding uh, to our focus uh, the incredibly important issue of democratizing our energy and dealing with our environment. So from now on, we are the gr green grassroots emergency election protection coalition meetings. And uh, we are uh, otherwise known as the Gree Gree uh, in honor of Mardi Gras, every week is Mardi Gras at the Grassroots Emergency Green Call. It's glad to, I'm great to, grateful to have everybody on. Mike Hirsch and uh, Steve Caruso are co-engineers. Steve is also our uh, our, our um, a webmaster. We have a really packed agenda today. We're honored by the presence of, presence of Andrea Miller, the great goddess of grassroots organizing. She's going to be on with us briefly. And then we are uh, going to, uh, in a couple of minutes, uh, but next week we're going to have a full presentation from Andrea, but I want to I wanna have her primed uh, to talk uh, about what she's what she going to talk about next week. We're going to open today with um, Mia from Ohio to discuss the truly psychedelic uh, chaotic situation uh, in Ohio. It's astounding. You wonder if they're all taking mushrooms in that state. Uh, then we're going to go to Andrea. Uh, then uh, at 5.30 Eastern time, we're going to go to Cecile Schoon uh, from Florida, who is involved in the incredibly important uh, uh, lawsuit there uh, uh, on, election, on election protection, which has evoked the incredibly uh, explosive term preclearance, uh, uh, hearkening back to the pre-days uh, before the horrendous Shelby discussion decision. And also Nancy Sorang is going to be with us from Maryland. Uh, that is going to fill most of the first hour. Uh, and then in the second hour, uh, we're going to go into our deep green discussion with Tatanka Bricka. Sarah Nelson will join us, Stephanie Brown. Uh, we have an action-packed uh, agenda today, believe me. I do want to say, I'm going to announce now, that on May 2nd, three weeks from today, we're going to do an open forum on the governance of the Pacifica Radio Network, which is incredibly important to all of us. All of you are in range of a Pacifica affiliate, and I, we would like you to ask you to join. I, I'm sorry it costs $25 to join, but we'd like everybody to join the Pacifica Network. You can pick your local affiliate if you know the call letters, or you can go to the one in DC, which is WPFW.org, WPFW. .org, just join up for 25 bucks, and in three weeks, uh, you will be a Pacifica member and join our uh, Pacifica uh, uh, forum, which is incredibly important. So please do that if you will, um, and uh, everyone should be a member of Pacifica. We definitely need that network. Uh, and as I say, three weeks from now, we're going to discuss what's going on in there, which is beyond belief. Okay, we're going to open now with Mia Lewis from Columbus, Ohio. Um, uh, to talk about the astounding uh, gerrymandering uh, redistricting battle in Ohio. You could not make this one up. We have had four, count them, four redistricted maps uh, uh, submitted by the Republicans and turned down by the Republican Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court. You couldn't make this up. And then Mia will be followed by uh, Andrea Miller and, and we'll rock and roll. Uh, Mia, uh, please jump in. Tell us uh, what's happening in Ohio. Sure, hi, thank you guys so much. Nice to be here. Um, well, I did have some slides which I can share or I can share with you later, but um, just to make a really short summary. Um, so we have uh, Ohio State House maps, General Assembly maps, and we have the Congressional map. The um, State House maps, three sets of maps have been struck down by the court um, as gerrymanders and a fourth set was drawn and is being challenged um, both. Um, so we actually have um, 
nine lawsuits going on at, <laughs> right now. Um, uh, so um, is it okay if I just share my screen for yes, a Yes, go bit? ahead. Real, yes, yeah. please do. Um, <clears throat> I think that might be a little easier. So um, we have um, the Ohio redistrict. We had redistricting reform in 2015 for um, legislative districts and in 2018 for congressional districts. And so this is our first time drawing maps with the new rules, which have um, strict uh, rules in them, which the Republicans on the redistricting commission cannot bring themselves to follow because <laughs> if they follow them, then they'll have to give up the power that they have right now, which they have through gerrymandering. And so it, you know, it's incredibly difficult for them to actually draw themselves out of power. And the court, bipartisan Ohio Supreme Court, is actually asking them to do that. They're asking them to follow the constitution and to honor the will of the Ohio voters who voted by over 72% for these redistricting reforms in 2015 and 2018. So what they did is in their third, this was really interesting, in their third, um, I'm gonna go to the next slide, in their third, oh, back one, there we go. Um, in their third set of maps, after the third set of maps, when that was struck down, the court said, um, you guys have got to do this in public. You've got to be transparent. You've got to be bipartisan and you should use independent map makers to help you. And so the Republicans and the Democrats on the commission hired independent map makers and those map makers set up in a workroom and their work was being streamed live on the Ohio government you know, video channel, the Ohio channel, and everyone was watching them draw their maps. And the Republicans were, um, trying to slow it down. They had a deadline of about, you know, five days from when the map making started, midnight on March 28th. And they were going, every time they would seem to make progress, the Republicans would try to pull it back, pull it back. Well, what about this? What about that? And then at the last minute, the last day, they, the Republicans who staffers who were supposed to help with the process just didn't show up at all. And the mappers were kind of like, how do we finish this without these people here to help us. Um, and um, even though they meant to finish basically by the deadline, the Republicans on the commission said, um, well, we know that they can't finish by the deadline. So we're just gonna use this old map that was already struck down by the court and we're gonna submit that one instead. And by, a, you know, they have the majority on the commission. And so they passed that fourth set of maps um, even though the independent mappers were, you know, making their map and they were basically done with their map. So it's back at the court. There's also a federal lawsuit going on about that, which is a group of Republican activists who want the already struck down unconstitutional map enforced, used instead. And the, um, the federal court is kind of saying, well, we'd rather stay out of this. Um, and, uh, and let the Ohio Supreme Court um, deal with it. The consequence of this is that we actually weren't able to have legislative maps in our May 3rd primary. Voting has already started, early voting has already started. It's gonna cost the state $25 million to have a second primary, but they're gonna have a second primary just for legislative districts. Um, which is kind of crazy because um, we don't even have congressional maps that are constitutional. We had a first congressional map was drawn. It was struck down by the court. A second congressional map was drawn and it's being challenged. Um, but unfortunately what happened was uh, there was a bit of a time waste because the groups that were um, challenging the, the map um, tried to do it under the same lawsuit where, where they challenged the first map. And the court took a while. And then the court said, actually, we don't have jurisdiction anymore. You have to start a new lawsuit. And so the whole process started again. And so it won't actually be, they won't actually um, finish that lawsuit until long after the primary. So right now we're voting on congressional districts that have not been found to be constitutional and that are being challenged in the courts. So there's just a lot of stuff going on. I see someone has their their. No, no, their it's all right. Go, go ahead. We'll get to Eric in a minute. Okay. Uh, finish um, your presentation. Yeah. So there's 
I'm actually going to stop with the slides because there's just too many different things going on to like get them all together. But um, so the, the upshot of it is that the new redistricting rules that we have in the constitution, the court is, is trying to uphold those, but it's the, the Republican strategy essentially has been to run out the clock, to just keep doing it, to keep, to keep breaking the rules, to keep putting forward um, unconstitutional maps. And then, um, you know, what happens is um, if a, an election is already underway, it's very, very difficult for the courts to say, oh, well, you can't have an election. You, you know, once the election is underway, they're much more likely to say, okay, go ahead, just go use this map, we'll sort it out later. And that's kind of where we're at right now, which is really, really too bad. Um, so what we have right now is um, May 3rd primary is, and early voting is underway. And then at a later date, which has not been determined yet because the General Assembly refuses to do that, um, we will vote on, um, uh, on legislative districts on Ohio House and Senate districts. The contempt, the, the court itself um, wanted to it basically asked why they shouldn't hold the redistricting commissioners in contempt. That was a bit earlier. And then the redistricting commission did their third plan. The court postponed that hearing. And now that the fourth plan is so clearly, clearly unconstitutional in every aspect, it's unconstitutional. It wasn't done transparently. It was based on a previous map, which was not allowed by the court. It did not, um, it did not have the participation of all the members of the commission, um, you know, on every measure, it was unconstitutional. The, the two groups have filed for the contempt charges to be brought back um, and we're waiting for the court. But unfortunately, really what's happening right now, um, is what people guess is happening right now mm -hmm. is that just like the Republicans in the Ohio Redistricting Commission and the General Assembly are trying to run out the clock so that you know we have to use the gerrymandered maps it's very likely that the Republicans on the Ohio Supreme Court, who are in the minority here, uh, the dissenting Republicans, because actually it's a bipartisan majority that's been striking down the maps, the dissenting Republicans are also trying to run out the clock. And that's why they're keeping, that's why we haven't gotten these um, decisions yet. So they're trying to run out the clock um, so that the federal court will end up having to take over and, you know, and, and dominoes going on from there. <laughs> it's an astonishing situation. One of the dimensions is that they, one of the people that would be held in contempt, if they actually have these contempt trials, is the governor, yes. Mike DeWine. And the yes. governor's son yes. is on the Supreme Court. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, and now he's had to recuse himself, thankfully. I mean, no, I he, want to make sure you're in touch no, with Andrew Miller. Just Go to ahead. be clear, he has... He said he would recuse himself from a contempt hearing. He has not recused himself from any of the redistricting decisions, even though his father is a named party in all the suits and he would be ruling on something that his father did. Yeah. So Mia, you're with the League of Women Voters, is that correct? No, I'm actually with Common Cause Ohio. Common Cause Ohio, okay. Yeah. So now I want you to be in touch, please. We'll go to the questions in a minute with Andrea Miller. Andrea is in Alexandria, Virginia. Andrea, um, uh, if you will introduce yourself to Mia, please. Um, uh, how, how, Mia, have the Democrats been on this? Have they, been, have they held the line? And um, uh, are they fighting strongly? They are. Uh, they are. And we're a nonpartisan group, but we support uh, fair districts and fair elections. And the two Democratic members of the commission have been amazing and strong and have fought every inch of the way. And they're fighting, you know, they're fighting for fair maps for all of Ohioans. They're fighting for communities to be able to be represented, um, you know, and, and, and it's, you know, it's just been horrible to watch them be, you know, the bait and switch and the, and the lying and the, you know, it's really, it's hard to deal with this state house. I can't imagine being those guys and literally that being your workplace that you're going to work. And these folks are um, just trying to cheat their way into, um, into rig maps. Uh, it's very difficult. Well, I, I live uh, 50 years in Columbus, Ohio. 
And it, I, I, I got to be, I could no longer go into the state house because it reminded me of Night of the Living Dead. And um, I, I used to say basically that a uh, primary um, uh, requirement for getting a, into the state house of Ohio was to have a lobotomy. So uh, we are uh, really in, in deep, deep trouble here. Uh, Andrea, I asked you to come on. Uh, if you want to say a couple words here, uh, I know you have to go. To me, uh, I mean, you know, uh, it's a, in a very important connection to uh, with between Common Cause and the work of Andrea Miller. Andrea, do you want to jump in here for a moment? And then we'll go well, back. Well, 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 Harvey, unfortunately, we don't work in Ohio, Pennsylvania, or Michigan. Okay. My mandate is I only work in states where the voting age population is at least 20% BIPOC, Black, Indigenous people of color, and Ohio is 11%. Well, common cause is all over the country, so hopefully, maybe yes, they are. Mia, you could make this connection. Mia, Andrea is one of our great, great organizers. Andrea, can you stay on until uh, we finish the uh, Ohio discussion, and then give us? Oh a yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. Okay. All right. We have over eighty. I have eighty-three people on the call. Mia, you're really, and that was a beautiful presentation. Thank you, Andrea, for staying with us. Mia, uh, you're organizationally. Um, uh, uh, way beyond most of us. It was a beautiful presentation, very clear. Um, uh, I can't see right now in the chat, here we go. Um, who has a hand up? Um, um, is Eric Lazarus, I believe you were first. Go ahead, Eric. Oh yeah, I can see you now. Andrea, uh, Eric, and then Patricia, please go ahead. Um, so in terms of contempt and also suing people, that $25 million, can the Republican party or the particular um, uh, Republicans involved. Um, you know, how can, can anything like that be used to put an end to this? Thanks so much, America. Yeah, well, unfortunately, you know how this goes right now is they just turn everything upside down. So they can continue to put forward clearly unconstitutional maps and that is what has caused this crisis. But what they say is that it's the court that has caused the crisis, that it's organizations like ours that have caused the crisis because we're insisting on constitutional maps. And so every time you try to make them, you know, bear some consequence for their actions, they just turn it around. In fact, they're saying that the Supreme, uh, that the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, who is in fact a Republican that and has been voting with the Democrats for fair maps, um, that she should be impeached. So that's um, kind of where they're at. Um, so, um, you know, the latest thing that we heard and, and our Secretary of State, who used to be a fairly rational, moderate person who has gone way over the deep end, kind of Trumpified himself in the past month, um, he said he, he'd be fine with the Chief Justice being um, impeached. Um, so that's kind of you know where right. we're at on that. The latest thing we heard was a suggestion from um, the President of the Senate um, that we use COVID funds for the 25 million. Um, so it, you know, it's outrageous and ridiculous. How, how dare a Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court follow the law? I know. And that's right? absolutely outrageous. It is. Um, uh, <laughs> Patricia and then Jeffrey. Patricia, Gratian, and then Jeffrey Barco. If you guys can unmute, that would be great. Followed by Donald Smith. Uh, Patricia, can we get you? I'll ask you to unmute here. Uh, and Okay. Uh, all right. Go ahead. Yeah, Patricia. Oh, can you hear me okay now? Yes, go, please. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I'm not sure if this has been mentioned or if you or, or the Common Cause or League of Women Voters could be more brazen, <laughs> if I can use that term, and present a fair map to those judges. Uh, maybe it would give them a way out. Maybe they might just turn around and say, you know, here's a perfectly good map. We're going to use this. 
Yeah. Uh, have you tried that? Thank you. Well, yes, we have. We had a mapping competition. We had many winners who had, and, and the maps were, you know, representative of communities. We had community mapping where groups came together and kind of said what they wanted and what, you know, what representation they needed. Um, we had a model congressional map. Um, there's really been a lot of efforts that it it's not it's so clear that it's possible to make a constitutional map. It's much harder to make a gerrymandered map than it is to make a fair map. Um, and the independent mappers, which by the way, cost the state of Ohio $100,000 for those two independent mappers to come and work for a week. Um, and then they threw away what they did because they you know, substituted out their own map. Those guys, they made a fair map. <laughs> We could use their map. It's, you know, it's sitting there, but they chose not to. Unbelievable. It's really amazing. Obviously, well, what's at stake here is, is five or six congressional seats because Ohio had 16 congressional seats. They were, Ohio is rough officially now 54-46 Republican versus Democrats. With 16 seats, they had 12 Republicans and four Democrats. And Absolutely so if correct. you have fair maps, if the Ohio lost the seats, so it's down to 15. So with fair maps, you'd have probably eight Republicans and seven, seven Democrats. So what's at stake here is three, four or five congressional seats, which yeah. could change the whole government of the United States. And um, as I keep saying, um, Maureen O'Connor, the Republican chief justice of the Supreme Court of Ohio should be in the profiles of courage uh, by John Kennedy. Jeffrey Barto and then Donald Smith, please. Go ahead, Jeffrey, real quick. Uh, this is kind of embarrassing, but Maya, uh, but uh, you kind of lost me during the presentation. So what's what's the more what's the moral of, of it exactly? The moral, the moral is that the Republicans are clearly are not giving ground. They want these seats no matter what. Uh, the question then becomes, Mia, will this go to the U.S. Supreme Court? So. It shouldn't, it, it, if it were just within the Ohio Supreme Court, it shouldn't because the, um, the Supreme Court ruled um, a few years ago in a case that involved common cause that, you know, they didn't have anything to say about gerrymandering. Now we didn't agree with that decision. We thought it was a bad decision, but they were like, um, well, we leave that whole thing to the state courts. So it should have been in the state court, but because it's gone on so long, you end up having other issues like equal protection because you end up having, well, can there be an election at all? Are you depriving people of their right to, to be able to vote at all? And so that the problem is if it goes to federal court, which I mean, it has already, there are two cases in, in federal court, um, and then it ends up going to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court right now, you know, we really don't want anything going to the Supreme Court right now because um, they're likely to do something, you know, really bad. Um, there's a kind of new legal theory going around, which is that um, only um, the legislature has the power to make decisions about redistricting and that courts cannot be involved at all. And that would basically, um, you know, a lot of the decisions and a lot of the good decisions that are happening about redistricting around the country are coming from the courts. And we don't want the Supreme Court saying that that isn't allowed. We don't want the Supreme Court striking down the ability of states to um, use redistricting commissions and things like that. And that is something that could possibly happen if this were to go up to the Supreme Court, which we don't want. God, and okay, and I, the, the stakes obviously could not be higher. Mia, fantastic work. Donald Smith? Okay. I heard some story. I, I, I detest the Republican gerrymandering in all over the all over many states. Um, I heard there was gerrymandering in, in New York and California. The Democrats do too. Can you review um, how much, how bad that is? And um, is, is it as bad as the Republicans, unfortunately? And, and, right. and what, what's gonna happen with that? Yeah, well, in California, no, because they have a redistricting commission and actually they managed to draw a map and there are no lawsuits at all pending on that. So um, it, of course, when you give someone the power of the pen to draw the lines, they're gonna wanna draw it in their favor. Maryland, New York, those are places where um, Democrats have tried to draw lines in their favor. Um, but 
it, it's not at all on the level of what's happening in Ohio. And, um, you know, we have, you know, in some states, there are no rules. It's just whoever has the power to draw the lines draws the lines. And so, of course, they're going to try to draw it in their favor. These guys are drawing the lines completely disregarding the rules in the Constitution. So that's that's a whole other other thing. I mean, that's why we would prefer that there be um, independent redistricting commissions to take it out of the hands of the politicians. Obviously, elected officials are going to want to draw lines to benefit themselves. That's just human nature. Um, uh, but the way this has been kind of weaponized by, um, you know, by certainly people in Ohio and many other states is way beyond what's happening in, um, you know, kind of parallel. I mean, it is true. You can always say, oh, what about the other side? But it just, you know, to me, that's kind of like, let's, the egregious thing that is happening right here, let's try to solve that. You know, um, that seems so important. Anyway. Mia, you're, you're, you're a great presenter. It's great to have you on. And I, I hope you'll come back next week and, and follow up on this if you can. Um, 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 and uh, we call the, by the way, we call in California, we call the redistricting commission, the Schwarzenegger commission, because he actually funded the referenda and the, and that put these commissions in place and they work very well. So uh, your, your presentation could not have been better. I hope you can come back. Thank you so much. And I did actually, he, he came here, he comes here for his big, um, well, yeah, convention, yeah. the Arnold and, you know, we were fighting for the redistricting reform then, and he came over and shook our hands and we all took pictures. And then when our redistricting reform passed, he did shots with the gut with the governor. And we want to know what he has to say now, because we were also happy that, you know, we had successfully passed redistricting reform um, and Arnold was part of that. Um, but they have just disgraced it. You know, it's a dis absolute disgrace. Yeah. If you'll come back and follow up with us, we okay. appreciate it. Sure. You're Thank a you great so presenter. Uh, it's great to be in touch with Common Cause, and yes. I hope you'll spread the word about this, this, these calls, and we can bring p uh, other people from Common Cause in, and you should be in touch with Andrea Miller as well. Okay, very good. Thank you so much. Appreciate Mia, it. Thank you so much. Great to have you. Uh, Justin, we'll get to you in a minute. I want to have um, uh, uh, Andrea Miller now uh, to present to us briefly what she's going to talk to us in greater detail next week about what we're dealing with with the Democratic Party in trying to do grassroots organizing. Um, um, Andrea, are you with us? We have 85 people on the yeah, call. I'm here, Harvey. Okay, yes. please, go ahead. I've been here. All right. One of the things I want to talk about is there are a number of groups on this call that do voter turnout. They do a number of things involving voters. And what I'm really going to advocate for is for your organizations to get your own version or copy of the voter file outside of whatever it is that the Democratic Party is using. I'm assuming we don't really have any Republicans on this call. I am not certain if everyone knows NGP van or every action NGP van that the party uses is no longer an American company. It was sold eight months ago to Apex Ventures, which is a British company. So why in the world would you want to trust all of your election organizing to a company that is no longer American-based? What is more American than American elections? So the other concern that I have with this is the people who are the principles behind Apex Ventures are very close friends of Jared Kushner's. So again, my level of discomfort having democratic infrastructure and progressive infrastructure, most progressive organizations utilize NGP Van as well. It is a topic of major concern for me. 
one of, now we're going into my little conspiracy theory, but follow this. My fear is probably four to six weeks before the election, Angie Van goes dark. The DNC uses it virtually all Democratic parties with the exception of California, now Texas, and I believe Florida has switched. If NGP van goes dark and stays dark for several days and the folks at every action say, oh, we were hacked by the Russians, what will that mean? to the American elections. Now, I'm going to share my screen for just a moment, and I want you to compare the information in NGP Van. Now, I do GOTV turnout. In 2020, we contacted 14 million voters, and I work with African-American, Asian, Hispanic, multiracial is new, Native American. Those are my voters. Those are the people we work to turn out. Now, Asia. Asia is a continent. It's not a country. This is what PDI shows me when I am searching by ethnicity for voters. So when I look at Asian, that is not flat. I've got East Indian, I've got Asian Anglo, and it just, it's been on for so long, it's going to sleep. It literally walks me through the different countries, and also whether or not the voter is a probable English speaker. When I am looking at Florida and I am looking at Hispanic voters, it is walking me through country of origin. So for me, because we know so much about voters, it is important that we utilize that information and make sure we are contacting the voters that we want to reach. Uh, the other thing is PDI purchases cell phone data every six to eight weeks. So if you are running texting campaigns, which my democracy centers do, it, it is great to be able to pull good cell phone data from the voter file and let them be able to do their texting. So okay. that was really all I wanted to say today. We, we Next talked, week um, will be all about democracy centers. Democracy centers and also your belief that the Democrats are more concerned about uh, revenue for um, uh, uh, TV ads than they are for grassroots organizing. One of the basic uh, agenda items we have, and then we're, we're gonna go immediately now to Cecile Schoon and Nancy Serang, uh, but one of the uh, a key uh, um, uh, keys to the future of elections is whether or not the opponents of the right wing are gonna do grassroots organizing. And the key right. thing we wanted to discuss is that the Democratic Party already has $100 million to spend on the uh, uh, 2022 election, and it's all designated for uh, TV ads, and none of it is going to grassroots organizing. That's what we really want to focus on with you, Andrea. We hope you can connect with Common Cause. Anybody else doing grassroots organizing, you can see the level of detail that um, uh, Andrea gets to, and we want to we want to move into that next week, Andrea. Okay, so thank Alrighty. you. Thank you. Uh, what we we do have out there a pot of a hundred million dollars that we believe it was spent on. If it was spent on grassroots organizing, uh, there could be a different outcome. But the Democratic Party seems unwilling to do that, and Andrea is at the cutting edge of that. So Andrea, that's what we'll go deeper into next week. Thank you for being with us. Okay. Uh, thank you again, Maya. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. 
my pleasure. And we'll be back and see you next week to deal with that issue of what happens to that $100 million of organizing money. Thank you. Okay, we're going to move now. Amiya, we want to thank you also. Uh, Andrea, we'll see you next week. Amiya, we want to thank you uh, for that staggering report from Ohio. It's astounding what's going on. You have to remember that this is this the this could be the to determine who controls the Ohio the national Congress um, if if they subtract um, uh, from a, a fair distribution five or six congressional seats in the swing state of Ohio it could mean everything so that we have to pay very close attention to that okay Cecile Schoon uh, you are, are right online here with us from Florida the Florida League of Women Voters are you with us Cecile yes hi here I am Okay, and also we have Nancy Sarang ready to go from Maryland. So Cecile, you are the president of the Florida League of Women Voters, is that correct? Yes. Okay, uh, my mother was in the League of Women Voters, that's how I got to be political growing up, and okay. uh, so I'm glad to have you with us. And you are involved in what may be the most important lawsuit in the country now, which has to do with voter rights. And we have heard from a federal judge and we got a, a lesson in constitutional law last week from Joel Siegel, who's on the call as a constitutional lawyer with the, uh, the dreaded phrase uh, preclearance, which um, about which it was key to the Voting Rights Act of 1965. So can you explain to us this incredibly important lawsuit and, and where we stand with it? Right. Well, we worked really, really hard uh, to lobby against Senate Bill 90 which the legislators insisted upon. Um, people asked them, ourselves, other uh, representatives who are against the, the voter suppression law, we call it. They said, well, why are you doing this? Was there any fraud in the election? Everybody admitted there was no fraud. In fact, the governor immediately after the 2020 elections, our governor said, we did the best elections in the state, the whole, the, the nation, everybody should look at Florida to see how well we did. Our division of elections said, perfect elections. So imagine our surprise, a few months later, uh, they were trying to enact Senate Bill 90, which was focusing on limiting early voting and limiting the use of drop boxes. So that the concept of a drop box was there so that people could put their ballots in 24 seven, 24 days a week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because people couldn't always get off work doing regular business hours, especially low-income people, people working two shifts. So they were limiting that. And then they also made us give a warning to people, the third-party voter registrant organizations like the League. We had to tell everybody, hey, we might not turn your voter registration application in on time, which is undoing the trust and the building of trying to get the person to register because you're basically being forced to say that you're negligent. That was basically what the main things that the lawsuit was about, and we got a victory. The judge ruled that the limitations on drop boxes were unconstitutional. He ruled that we don't have to give those warnings. That was a violation of our First Amendment rights. He ruled that we could assist people with within 150 feet of the precinct or voting doors not with information, but let's say they were thirsty or the line was long. Those are the main things that he ruled. And because he found there had been a history of over 20 years of intentional discrimination against African-Americans by the Republican legislators, he found because the, the African-Americans tended to vote democratically. So to for the Republicans to hold power, they wanted to suppress the black vote. And he found that there was a pattern based on the expert testimony that every time the African-American community found a way to vote and use a new technique, whether it be Dropbox or vote by mail, every couple of years, there would be a new legislation that would target that very methodology. And that he also found the evidence showed that the state admitted that the legislators, every time they asked how different groups of people voted. So they knew that black people voted on souls to the polls on Sundays. So the next year they targeted those Sundays, they were taken off. You couldn't, 
have the those Sundays to vote where a lot of black churches were taking people. You follow what I'm saying? So it was a whole pattern that was established. And that's Absolutely. basically. Now, who is the judge and what level of court is he functioning at? He's a trial, uh, trial court judge, Judge Mark Walker out of Tallahassee. He's our chief judge. And is that a federal court? Yes, federal court. So the fe a federal court judge has ruled uh, that the state of Florida um, law restricting the voting uh, was racist and was unconstitutional. Is that it? Yes, based on his review of the evidence from experts that analyzed the different voter suppression kinds of laws in the last 20 years. They found that whatever way that African-Americans were choosing to elevate their voting numbers, that with pinpoint precision, the Republican legislators would find that methodology and stop it. And these were things, for example, uh, in the state of Florida, Republicans use vote by mail much more than African-Americans who in the past wanted to go and put the ballot in the box because of distrust of mail and all this. But with COVID that turned around, Black African-Americans started using the drop box and the vote by mail. And all of a sudden the Republican legislators said, oh, this is not safe. Although that had been their preferred choice for many years. So the governor, the, our, the, the judge, Judge Walker, looked at all of these patterns and the switch, switching of allowing certain things to, to be allowed and disallowed. And that's when he did the finding of the intentional discrimination. So this is a staggeringly important decision. It is. And now this is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe, well, the term preclearance has been involved, right? Did he? Yes. And so what did the judge explain? did with, what the judge did with the preclearance, because there were so many um, continuing attempts to limit um, African-Americans vote over the 20 years, the judge said, these people are just going to come right back and pass another law. And it's another lawsuit. And it's a delay. And it takes time for the hearing. Like our lawsuit that we just won was about a year. He said, so I'm going to stop this. You have to come through me, legislators. If you want to touch any of these provisions that I've said are unconstitutional, I will review them first. Bring them to me and I will see if there should be allowed. Not every voting law, but the protections that he gave us with regards to drop boxes, um, not having to issue those warnings that we were forced to say before and being allowed to assist people within 150 feet. Anything that touches those things and any laws that touch third party voter registrant ability to do our work because uh, he found that African-Americans very uh, heavily relied upon third-party voter registrant organizations to help them get registered. So he felt that if they touch our groups, groups like us, that's gonna hurt, that we have a disparate impact, an intentionally disparate impact on African-Americans. Well, that, this is, could be, now, has his um, decision been appealed? Yes, it was appealed a few days ago. The notice of appeal was filed on behalf of uh, Secretary Lee for our uh, state, Secretary of State, on behalf of the governor. And um, I think the Republican National Party uh, Committee got involved with the litigation as an intervener. They were, not in, they were not sued initially, but they intervened to insert themselves in the litigation and they're part of the uh, appeal also. And there were two supervisors of elections out of 67 that are in the appeal. So the, the Secretary of State of the state of Florida appealed this judge's decision allowing, they, that would guarantee um, uh, people the right to vote? Yes, the decision that uh, was prohibiting the state's limitations on the right to vote. Jesus. So what court is it now with? It's still in the, uh, well, it's just been sent up to the 11th Circuit, which is the federal appellate circuit that covers Florida. And it's 
actually considered to be one of the more conservative appellate courts in the, in the nation. So it's most likely going to be assigned to a three, three judge um, uh, bench and they'll review it. Boy, that's amazing. Um, um, okay, um, let's have a couple of comments and then we'd, I'd like to, uh, uh, Joel Siegel, if you could come on. Cecile, are you uh, in touch with Joel Siegel? Have you met Joel Siegel? So Joel Siegel is a former uh, chief aide to um, uh, Congressman John Conyers, and he's also a constitutional lawyer. Um, uh, Joel, could you put this in historic context? And then I'd like to bring in uh, Nancy Sarang from Maryland before we start taking questions so that you guys will be in touch, Cecile. Um, uh, Nancy is with um, uh, the organizations in Maryland dealing with this. Uh, Joel, go ahead, and then we'll do with Nancy Sarang. Hey, Cecile, I thought that was a terrific presentation. Thank you. Yeah, very, very straightforward and <laughs> on the spiritual side. Um, well, just two comments. One is that there's no reason why other federal court judges cannot do what they did in Florida. Um, and the only way I think that could happen would be if the civil society leaders do some kind of a press conference or or some kind of a, um, a signature campaign, you know, extolling the virtues of this case. I, I, I remember and I went to UNC Law School and I remember I started um, confronting nicely uh, a Supreme Court justice, actually it was the chief Supreme Court justice, Willis Richard. And I said, you know, since these judges are political, why don't we lobby them? And he kind of smiled at me like, yeah, you ought to. But one of my close colleagues next to me got very angry because I was a bit of an activist on campus, maybe a radical, I guess. <laughs> and she exploded at me. Uh, the law is neutral and it's the last bastion of something that's not political, but it's completely political. Um, but the preclearance provision that is from the 65 Civil Rights Act, I think it's Section 3, it, it didn't die on the vine. The Supreme Court ruling by Justice Roberts was that the Congress needed to change the formula for preclearance because racism was over. <laughs> yeah, right, right, dude. Um, I mean, so if you take like the League of Women Voters, which is a very powerful organization, and if there was some kind of a press conference with other state legislators, I would include some celebrities, and we got we got to shine the light on these Jim Crow judges because I think what's happening is, just like my colleague said, don't pressure judges. I don't agree. I think we have to because they are political. They are right wing. They are Jim Crow. They are united with the far right wing in Congress. It's clear that they are. But I just want to thank you for your work. And that would be my question is, how do we take this federal decision and figure out a way to make it known how important it is. I don't think people really know about the federal court's decision. I also don't think people really know too much about Jim Crow um, preclearance and what's going on. Thanks. Well, Cecile, if we can link you up with a, with a common cause that was just on and uh, link, link the league nationwide with our election protection issues, uh, ba efforts based on this in large part on this uh, uh, um, decision, we need, if you can post in the chat a link to the actual decision, that would help our, our great legal minds and organizing minds to connect uh, all this issue. This is a really critical connection that we need to make here. Um, I do wanna call in if I can, uh, we do have a couple of hands raised, but I wanna move uh, with, to Nancy Sarang from Maryland. Now, Nancy, you've just heard about this decision, can you comment on how this plays out in Maryland? You're well, with the league also, uh, you're, you're fellow league members, so go ahead. Actually, I was invited to talk about a different event. Um, we we did have some lawsuits over redistricting in Maryland, but those have been those have been solved. The reason why I thought I was on here was because the League of Women Voters, Common Cause, Public Citizen, a lot of groups are members of DFAD, the Declaration for American Democracy which came together to support the For the Freedom Act, which in the Senate became the uh, Freedom to Vote Act. 
Um, many of the provisions in this federal law would have solved a lot of the problems and prevented the problems that um, Ms. Schoon talked about. It would require preclearance once again to be part of the law. It would prevent, um, it would require many of the uh, voting rights that we enjoy here in Maryland nationwide. So in Maryland, we do have lots of block, uh, drop boxes. We have early voting. We have uh, voting by mail, which is quite easy. We have automatic voter registration. Um, we have uh, vo uh, voter registration on college campuses. So we're pretty lucky. But the reason why I'm here today is also we know that because of the big lie, a lot of election workers are under attack, particularly in other parts of the country. So DFAD declared April 12th as Celebrate Your Election Heroes Day. So uh, on April 12th, all over the country, people are going to go to their local boards of elections and thank people for doing what is a thankless job, which is what is a job that increasingly they're being suspected of being liars and cheats. And we just thought it would be nice to do something nice and support them. So that's, that's what I came here to talk about. No, but clearly it's related. I mean, we're having a, a wave now all over the country uh, simultaneous with this um, uh, important uh, decision and the, the laws that are being passed, like the Florida law, to kill our democracy. We are also having people uh, under physical attack. Is that correct, Nancy? Yeah, we're very concerned about that. But I just want to be clear that that's not what's happening in Maryland. But, and so that um, certainly in other parts of the country, and this was probably what inspired this, but nonetheless, we feel that all election workers, they work long, hard hours, they're paid just a small stipend, need to be appreciated. And we can't cast with a single shadow the fact that they're all corrupt and that they're not trying to, to run good elections. So that, that's what um, we're doing here tomorrow right. in Montgomery County. Well, Steve, Steve Bannon, I want to say there are 90 people on the call. Steve Bannon has been very clear that he wants a right-wing force, uh, especially military people, people with military and police backgrounds, to go in and take over the election boards. Yeah, and that's terrible. And the League of Women Voters of Colorado is actually engaged in a lawsuit because of some of the activities there that various groups are undertaking. I'm not saying that this isn't a problem and that elections and democracy aren't under attack, but um, yes. no, I'm not... But but I but we also can't um, paint with the same brush all election workers and the way all elections are run. No, quite the opposite. I mean, we yes. are very we've had discussions about this before. One of our key people in some earlier calls from North Carolina, her family is being um, uh, attacked and threatened. And this is a national situation here. So I'm wondering, um, uh, is there any court action that the league in Florida, in Maryland, or anywhere else nationwide is involved in to protect election workers? Well, um, not in Maryland, although we did um, pass legislation this session, I believe, that was to protect election workers. It was originally to protect um, heads of departments of health who are being threatened. But um, yes, in Colorado, the League of Women Voters is suing over a group that threatens to send people door to door armed and asking them you know, about their voting patterns, which is, you know, incredibly intimidating and, and illegal and shouldn't happen. But as far as in Maryland, no, we are not really engaged in any lawsuits like that because um, it's not happening here. Cecile, are, are you we, we are not. We are not in any litigation of that kind also, but we are watching carefully as there have been so-called volunteers going around knocking on doors inquiring and pe invading people's privacy, threatening them with their demeanor. And uh, also in, in South Florida, in Miami, there were about 30 or 40 cases where those who identified as Republican volunteers were going to democratic sort of areas. And they were telling the elderly people they were renewing their voter registration, but they were changing their party affiliation. And that's actually been proven down south. And so when there's been problems, it's generally been in our in our state from from the Republicans or have been the ones that have been primarily caught 
doing things that were in, inappropriate. But by and large, we have not had many problems with our voting system. I mean, everybody has acknowledged that and that came out in the evidence in the court case. Everyone, all the 67 supervisors of elections were asked, what's going on in your area? They said, we, we were fine, nothing to speak of. I mean, there's always a little hiccup here and there, but no, nothing significant at all. Well, it's great to have both of you on from two states. I don't know if you're acquainted Hi, with each other. Hi, how are you? <laughs> fellow, fellow league uh, right. uh, members. Like, like my mother. So the league is really my first uh, root in political action Good. because my mother was so committed to the league. It's a great organization. So uh, the league, you, you have this incredibly important lawsuit going. And Nancy, I, I hope you'll gain some awareness of it and spread it around because you're going to need support in Florida. This is gonna, with this suit, this is going to go into the federal court. It could go to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, absolutely. This is a, and it will be very interesting if John Roberts, who wrote the Shelby decision in, in 2013, is now got to revisit uh, the question of preclearance. Um, uh, that is going to be a major moment in American history. Agreed. And, and, and I, say, uh, I just want to throw it again, though, another avenue, if we can get two people to quit fighting the filibuster and get the Freedom to Vote Act through the Congress, then that would that would reinstate preclearance. So there's yeah. there are a lot of avenues. Would, but the, you know, the Supreme Court could throw it out again, uh, even if it passes yeah. the Congress. I do want to I do want to remind everybody, and I always throw this in when people talk about the 50-50 split in the Senate, that if if Clinton or Obama had gotten off their behinds and gotten D.C. statehood, uh, this, this would not be happening. Uh, but anyway, I just want to throw that in uh, to make that clear. OK, we have some questions. Nancy and, and Cecile, I hope you'll stay with us for questions. Uh, okay. uh, George and then Mary and then Steve. George Ripley, uh, 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 let's get you unmuted. And Mary, get you unmuted. And uh, Steve Caruso, you're an engineer, so you can unmute. OK, George, you're unmuted. Then Mary. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask Cecile, uh, well, both of you were wonderful, first of all. And Cecile, um, how many national groups have been called in, are, are working on the situation in Florida? For instance, the, the ACLU or the Brennan Center or uh, one that, that I really care a lot about, the Declaration for American Democracy, which uh, Nancy mentioned. Um, and, and are they, how are they, that, that Declaration for American Democracy represents 250 major national uh, institutions that, uh, whose whole purpose is fixing democracy. So if they're not active in this with all of their membership, millions of people, uh, they should be called in. And then finally, um, how is the EAC involved, the Election Assistance Commission? You have two commissioners down there in Florida, and do you know who they are? And um, are they involved in this process? Uh, if not, why not? And why doesn't the EAC have a bully pulpit? Well, let me go with one of the questions. Um, there are a lot of voting rights groups involved in different aspects of what's going on in Florida because we also are dealing with redistricting on top of, which is voting writ large, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. And then we have the individual voting with Senate Bill 90 and that litigation. So we have the ACLUs involved. Uh, we talked with, I was talking with the Brennan Center today um, they're not directly involved in any of the litigation. Um, we are work, our lawyers for the Senate Bill 90 were uh, a, a Florida law firm, the King uh, Wormuth Law Firm, that had worked with us before on redistricting 10 years ago, and also the Elias Group, the Elias Law Group. That used to be Perkins and Coy, and Mr. Elias created, pulled away some of the voting rights lawyers and created his voting rights group. So we have, they are our main lawyers on the Senate Bill 90, um, but we have other groups are looking and are involved either in the redistricting litigation or they're out and about. Everybody's pretty much watching carefully to see what is the next step that is required. Is the Carter Center involved? 
No, we I not that I know of. Okay, so one of our main uh, people from the very beginning, it, we have someone from the Carter Center. So I'd, I'd like you to come back next week, both of you, if you can, even briefly, and uh, we'll get the uh, um, uh, uh, Common Cause back in, and we'll see if we can link you up with the Carter Center as well. Okay, no, yeah. Common Cause we work with, and we're part of the Fair Districts Coalition with Common Cause, and we've <clears throat> been uh, partnering with, with Common Cause in Florida for many years on different- Oh, good. Things. Good, good. And Nancy, um, are you working with Common Cause or the Carter? We work with Common Cause a lot. In fact, we did. We with Common Cause took the lawsuit um, to the Supreme Court on redistricting, with the one where the Supreme Court decided that partisan redistricting wasn't their problem; that it was up to the states to solve it. But yeah, that was a Rucho case, right? Right, right. Well, the Carter, well, was, there was two cases. The there was Rucho, and then there was Ben Bennett. So the Maryland case and the North Carolina were heard together. And mm. that was when they decided that that wasn't their problem. Mm. So okay. we did have redistricting cases here in Maryland too, but those are, are solved now, but it's, we're a little bit different in Maryland. The, uh, the Democrats here are the ones that are accused of. Uh, was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone down on the garden of...